Sexy man. Welcome. You are listening to Two Girls One Podcast. Damn it! I keep forgetting this is the different. This is not that podcast. I didn't put on. I didn't, I didn't put on a sexy Tina voice for this. Um, <laughs> this this episode won't be sexy at all. Actually, it's it's the opposite of sexy, if I must say so myself. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a feel good episode, and you you <clears throat> have a good outlook on life. Yeah, we are back with Oblivion by David Foster Wallace. Today's story we're covering is Good Old Neon, which is, oh man, it's all about fraudulence and and cliches, that's what I'll say. Do you want to give the brief synopsis? Because we don't really need the detailed synopsis, because this whole story is just about a whining yuppie for the most part. Uh, By the way, I can honestly say I am not currently at the state of my life where I relate to this book. If I read this in my 20s, I think it would have had a good impact on me, negative, positive, just some kind of impact. But now I'm indifferent, so I'm, <laughs> I would say I'm pretty indifferent from this. I don't have any depressive issues anymore. I don't have uh, any of those, oh, am I an imposter? You know, am I putting on a show for other people? I'm not now. I'm in, I'm 35. I don't give a fuck what people think about me. I'm one of those assholes <laughs> now. Like, I'm just like, ah, whatever. I, I If I'm wearing yoga pants in public or a thong or, you know, whatever, I, I wouldn't care. Like, it doesn't matter. If I'm wearing a dirty hoodie with fucking ketchup stains and my wife's yelling at me, you look like a slob. Who the fuck cares? I tell her that all the time because I do stupid shit in public to embarrass her. She goes, quit everybody's looking. I'm like, who are we impressing? We don't know any of these people. I do that all the time. I do that at weddings where we do know people. (laughs) Why are we impressing these people? They don't give a shit. They're worried about themselves. (laughs) Yeah, it's Pennsylvania. (laughs) Who gives a fuck? (laughs) Oh, man. That was was brutal. All right. Yeah, you're on one. Yeah, I'm in a mood today. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, let's see, the story is about a dude. I think his name's Neil. Um, that's I don't think a real strength. name, but that's a that's the name you get. Oh yeah. Um, well, if I, know, I would I'm... say to spoil the ending real quick, it's pretty much just David Foster Wallace. Is that is that a correct assumption? Like the well, story's I mean, made that's... up, but it's his ideas for the most part. Oh well, yeah, I mean you could say that about a lot of things there, <laughs> Kayla. That's... Everything's uh, David yeah, Foster Wallace. <laughs> Every book, everything is just David Foster Wallace. <laughs> Turns out there Dr. are no Seuss. authors, no Stephen King, no Dr. Seuss, no J.K. Rowling. All Wallace. <laughs> all, all Wallace all the time. What nightmare oblivion are we living in? <laughs> Wallace, Wallace, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude is uh, struggling with feeling inauthentic, or as he puts it, inauthentic, but it's like he's just in the perpetual need for approval from absolutely everyone at all times. And so he feels like he's a fraud because he's not doing anything necessarily just for himself because he gets wrapped up and, you know, being concerned about putting on something to impress other people or gain other people's gratitude or um, appreciation or adulation or whatever like that, except for some weird yogi kind of guy that, he thinks sees through him and his fake charade, but is not totally convinced that he did see. It's weird. And then he kills himself in and, a fiery car uh, crash. In a fiery car crash. And then he's outside of space time. Then he sees some dude named David Wallace or David Foster or something like that. 
which I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's a, that's a tricky name right there. I'm going to, I don't know who that could be. (laughs) Uh, Mourning the loss of this dude that apparently they went to school together. And David Wallace thought that the dude had his life together, even though he didn't. And it was all a facade. It's all a fascade. I thought this story was pretty interesting. Um, This actually really reminds me of uh, No Longer Human by Osamu Desai, because that is a story, granted, it's set in older Japan, but that is a story about a guy who puts on an act for everybody else. It's pretty much the exact same story, uh, except for this is about a yuppie in, what, 1980, (laughs) 1991 is when he kills himself, apparently. And this guy's whole issue is he puts on this facade. He puts on this act for everybody else. He's a fraud. And he knows he's a fraud. It started when he was four years old when he realized he broke a fancy bowl that was like an antique from his, I guess he's adopted, his uh, foster yeah. mother's grandmother or something gave it to him. Uh, but he broke it. And when he, the parents confronted him, he lied, but he did it in a way to manipulate them, which he didn't know at the time. But then that's what sparked the, oh, I can just manipulate everybody and be a fucking sociopath. So at four years old, he tells the lie in a way that makes it sound like he's just covering it up that his sister, his adopted sister, I guess. uh, Well, she's the biological, so she's not adopted. uh, Yeah. But his stepsister, I guess you would say, is uh, blamed for it because he makes it seem like he was covering up for her breaking it. And then he realized, whoa, this is like a real power, man. And then he goes through (laughs) his whole life being super successful in life, but doing it in a way that it's just to impress other people. So think of like the rich guy who has the perfect house, the perfect family, all these cars and ends up fucking killing himself because he's actually not happy because he just did this all to impress other people. It's not what he actually wanted out of life. Um, it's America. He's talking about America, uh, America. And I actually just made a post on this earlier for DPW for those who want to check out, which I don't know when this episode will drop. So what was the name <laughs> of the post? Uh, the mask of a fraud. I think it is. It is just pretty much about the uh, fraud topic here. And I give a quick example of Hemingway's life. Uh, I think Hemingway was a good example of someone who became the fraud without not a, his was partially deliberate. He created this image that he wanted mm. everyone to see him as. He wanted everyone to see him as the masculine, you know, hunter, boxer, you know, <clears throat> this guy. And while that might have been him to a degree, obviously he uh, amplified amplified that by <laughs> thousands to make it over the top to the point where if you think of Hemingway now, a lot of people might not know his writing. They just know Hemingway, the character that he created. Yeah. So it actually overtook his life. The fraud overtook the real him. Uh, and I think you could kind of say that happened to Hunter S. Thompson too. Maybe I don't. I don't know too much about. Uh, uh, well, if you S. think most people, life. most people think of Hunter S. Thompson, they think a crazy drug addict, wild man. And while he was that, uh, that wasn't necessarily all he was. Obviously, like he was an author, he was a great writer. What? But most people know him as the fucking druggy guy, and they know uh, him as Johnny Depp. Ex- Johnny Depp's a good example. Most people see Johnny Depp in a very certain way now that he might not actually be that. Uh, and that's most, you know, celebrities, uh, they, uh, which goes to the root of a deeper societal problem is what you see now, TikTok and Instagram and all this shit. It's easier to expose yourself to the world. No pun intended. That <laughs> that's a pun, but you know, people, the only fans and all that, but it's a, dick. <laughs> it's a flaccid cock, but then it gets big. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, buddy? There's a dog run down. He wants food, but I gave you food. 
But the problem is, like, everyone has a voice now, which is good to a degree, but, you know, not everybody should have a voice. And now it's all, look <laughs> at me, look at me. And it's not necessarily just narcissism, uh, because we like to just say, oh, everybody's narcissistic. Uh, I think a lot of people just want to stand out from the crowd because everybody's doing the exact same thing. So they just like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I, nobody sees me. I want to be seen. But then that becomes the facade. You put on this act for everyone. And then uh, another example I used in the post was um, you think of the people that have like the positive social media accounts. Like you think of the, the TikTok where it's all about body positivity and being your authentic self and all that. Well, the person that is doing that, while they might be genuine in their message, they're still doing it in a way where it's how they want you to see them. It's how they want you to perceive them. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that's 100% their uh, their actual thoughts all the time. Because nobody just thinks like that all the time. Everyone's very different. And, you know, we're all very layered, I'd like to think anyway. Some people might not be. but Like nachos. Nachos. Yeah, deep, deep nachos. But I think that uh, going back to the fraudulence of uh, this David Foster Wallace story, to just please make a different segue here. <laughs> if we go back to him being, you know, is this really just his thoughts and being about David Foster Wallace? Because I do get that impression uh, before we get to the whole ending where it's just it keeps saying David Foster Wallace and uh, stuff like that. Like, you know, just his thoughts and whatever. Oh, shit. I lost my train of thought because it's a stupid husky. What do you want, bro? What Sorry, you want, if, there's, if there's howling in the background over here, it's my child. If there's howling back over here, it's my child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? What? My dog, he's my child. He's got paws, but he's a baby. Well, the baby. Uh, but I think, anyway, so in this story, I think Wallace is expressing his fear of being a fraud. And I think because he was such a smart guy that, you know, he probably did analyze everyone. Because uh, the main character in the story, he ends up going to uh, an analysis, I think it was, pretty much like uh, a therapist, who he yeah. ends up an- analyzing more than the therapist analyzes him, and he ends up manipulating him. And this guy's problem is he doesn't want to manipulate people. He knows he's a fraud, but he doesn't know how to stop being a fraud. And I kind of think that maybe that's how Wallace felt because he ultimately ended up killing himself. And I think maybe that had to do with, uh, well, he had very severe depression. Yeah. Um, And it was like, you know, he got off his medicine because he had some kind of reaction and it stopped working. And that's what led to that. But, you know, I'm sure he still had ideas of, you know, we were talking about the imposter syndrome a lot of very intelligent people tend to go through that where it's like, do people really care about what I think and what I'm saying? Or is it just, uh, I just want them to care about what I think and what I'm saying, but they don't actually care. And then you start like doubting yourself and you get into this weird headspace where it's like everything I put out is garbage and nobody really cares about me. But like my view on it, and like I said, I'm in a different place in life now than I used to be where this story I'm more indifferent to because the way I think about it is, I don't have to impress other people because they're not really looking at me. They're worried about themselves. Like most people mm-hmm. actually don't care about what you're doing. They, I mean, a good example is if you just got offline forever, like if you had a big, like a semi big following on something and then you just got, got off and just stopped talking. No, you didn't really <laughs> talk about it. Like, it's like, Hey, see you folks. And then you're just done. Most people just really wouldn't care. Like they probably wouldn't even notice a lot of them. And then you just disappeared. And then if you come back, like, Oh, Caleb's back. Where the hell have you been? Like they don't, look beyond their own lives that much. And I think we're all a little selfish in that regard. It's very rare that somebody goes, hey, you know what? 
what the fuck happened to Bob? He used to always post on Twitter every Monday his uh, Manic Monday rants. I haven't seen that guy in a long time. Then you find out <laughs> Bob fucking killed himself or something because he had a Manic Monday. Like, but you might not realize <laughs> that for a year because you just Bob wasn't that big a part of your life. <laughs> so I think social media cause or creates this, uh, you know, this falsity of image. Like we think that we're more important than we really are. We think people care more than they really do. But usually it's people just want you to care about them. They don't really care what you're doing that much unless it relates to how they're doing. Um, you see that a lot with celebrities, which makes me like just ill. I always see like when The Rock posts something on Instagram, if you go on there, it's just a thought. Like say he posts a workout video or something. It's a thousand celebrities going, yeah, get it, brother. Oh, yeah. Fire, fire, fire. Yeah, fucking cool. <laughs> and then it's just like those people don't give a fuck about what The Rock's doing. They just want the people in his comments to see them and go to their profile. Like That's all yeah. it is. It's fucking so yeah. ridiculous. Like this, you know, almost like a, I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of thing. Except for they don't care about your itches. <laughs> like, yeah, it's 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 more of like uh, how we've talked about a lot of the uh, the indie scene or the self published authors on social media will just be like, hey, you know, buy my oh wow, told you, hey, buy yeah. my book, <laughs> buy my book, and I'll buy yours, and you can re- we'll we'll you know review each other and really just lift everyone up and nothing all happens. that stuff. And it's just like a gigantic ring of people. Like, n- yeah, there is no follow through there. Everyone's got their hands on each other's dicks, but nobody's pumping. So it's like, <laughs> just a lot of dry, dry, dry chafing on the dick. <laughs> it's like, okay, are you going to do something or are you going to put it down? Hey, Nitro. I got to go take care of this fucking guy. I, apparently he needs more food because he's yelling at me again. I let him down here. I took off his jangly chains, and he still he has to be insane. So. Did his uh, chain hang well? I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> and we're back. Um, so anyway, like I was saying, David Foster Wallace harbors ill will towards the Jewish community. Did you know? No. <laughs> Damn. What happened? Wow. A lot changed. Wow. Was, <laughs> somebody needs a Snickers. Oh, geez, Louise. Anyway, so this story also had uh, some things that happened with some stuff and a guy and a lady. And uh, mm. Now, this was an interesting character breakdown uh, about somebody who's completely infatuated with themselves pretty much but to a degree where it's all about how others view them and like i said i don't you know i didn't say i don't think this story needed to be quite this long just to get the point i I mean i didn't mind the length i'm just saying like i didn't like to get the point across i didn't think all the uh because it breaks down into very like different stories to show how this guy well you know what actually i'm full of shit because there's (laughs) There's a couple, like a good bit in the beginning and middle where the guy, it's so well written because the guy, since he wants to impress everybody, even the audience he's telling the story to, he wants to impress. So he keeps commenting on how he knows that he's kind of rambling at times and how uh, he keeps talking too much. And that comes across to me, at least came across to me as he's still trying to impress people and he knows he's trying to impress people, but he just can't stop because he's fucking apparently mentally ill um yeah that was that's um actually a really cool thing is like it reads really smooth um at least i thought it it, you know there's a lot more breaks in the the paragraphs there's a lot more 
uh, more, I guess, traditional sentence structure. And so I thought it read uh, really smooth, um, it had a, a pretty good pace. I wouldn't say that the pacing was perfect. It did seem a little strung out, especially when he spent a long time on the yogi meditation class. I really liked the the church thing that he was talking about, though. It kind of made me laugh. I like the way he broke down the uh, spirit and the smacking of the heads and the talking yeah. in tongues and how he knew it was bullshit, but he fell for it anyway because he wanted to... Uh, he wanted the pastor and whatnot to like him and think he was really yeah. devoted and had the spirit. But he but he was so self-absorbed that he didn't realize the people around him were full of shit. Like he was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I just had it. Like he smacked me in the head and I fell back and I knew I didn't have the spirit. I'm just pretending. But, you know, the guys next to me, they had the spirit. No, they didn't either. <laughs> like that's the whole thing about this story is he never stopped to think that maybe nobody gave a shit about what he was doing or maybe they were all frauds, too. Like he, I don't think he mentioned once that other people were frauds as well. Did he? No, I don't. I don't think so. And that's that's one thing I was wondering. I was like, okay, so this dude has some issues because he's he's. I think we would traditionally say he's extremely self-absorbed. I would I would almost posit it that uh, he's. It's not so much a, a fraudulence or a, a self-absorbed as like he's paranoid the entire time. Yeah. Is what I took from it because. He's viewing his life from the eye holes of another person. And the only way to be free of that is either to be completely alone or to essentially what, what happened in the end of the, the movie is to, to die. So, or not movie, it plays like a movie, but uh, no, <laughs> is to, uh, is to die. But then, and he's, what I found kind of weird is that at the very end, he's all like, oh, yeah, you know, in the in the afterlife, everything's happening all at the same time. You gain this grand kaleidoscope of uh, perception. It's really difficult to explain. He tries like three, four, five different ways. And yet the entire time he's still changing his wording and he's still like pandering to the people reading it. And then kind of like I didn't take it like he could see everything that's happening. I took it as like he understood everything in his life. And so him kind of looking down and seeing David Wallace or whatever the, the dude's name was, David Foster, Foster, I don't know, uh, DFW. Um, and then like, I was like, you wouldn't be able to, he wouldn't be able to understand and perceive the innermost workings of that guy's thoughts and everything like that. And so he's automatic, he's doing the exact same thing. He's not free of it. He can't be free of this. And so it's just he's he's always going to live his life, even when he's dead, he's going to die his death uh, through the eyes of others. And it's just it was like, well, I don't his know death, whole death scene, he, he took a bunch of Benadryl and crashed into a brick wall in the country. And the whole reason for going out in the country was because he didn't want to die in such a way where he would have others think, oh, man, you know, he did this to be spectacular and have this big explosion. But then at the same time, he also thought, well, they're going to think this anyway. And they're going to think, oh, man, he died such a painful way. And it's just all this stuff. Like, so even his death was through the eyes of other people, um, mm -hmm. which is strange because if he just stopped to think that, hey, maybe other people feel this way, too. Maybe they're frauds, too. He wouldn't have killed himself because he would have realized that. Uh, and again, I don't know if he was able, capable of realizing this, that what he was going through wasn't necessarily unique. Um, oh, yeah. It's just that he was obsessive. And the degree of obsessiveness, what, like if you go back to the meditation story where he's in uh, a meditation class and he gets dubbed the statue because he's the only one that could hold a meditation forever, but he's not really meditating. He's just doing it because other people are watching him and he hates it. 
and he's very uncomfortable and his whole body's on fire and he's cramping and all this stuff, but he holds it just because others are there. But when he tried to do it at home, he couldn't even hold it for a couple minutes. Um, yeah. So he didn't do the at home meditation exercises and he was a fraud and he thought that the, uh, the guru guy knew that he was a fraud. He felt that that guy knew and could see right through him and knew this was all an act and all this stuff. And he goes on and on about that. But did the guy really know? I mean, why would he really (laughs) like what sane person would think someone else knows that you're a fraud? Like he probably just thought, oh, he's good at meditating. Like I'm sure the guy didn't really look into it like that. Yeah, the the guy was probably just holding a class. We're talking about him as if he's real, but uh, (laughs) probably uh, just holding the class because he had bills to pay and all this crap. But and I think uh, the main character, Neil, talks about how he was thinking about going and asking, uh, talking to the guru or the yogi or whoever it is, and being all like, hey, how did you see through me? How did you know I was a fraud? Is there a way of getting out of this? But he kind of like chicken shits out and never goes back and never like signs up for the advanced seminar that is next. He's like, I'm not going to that. No, <laughs> like, he, he actually pays for it, but he doesn't even, he can't even ask for a refund because he's so like, he doesn't want to face it. But in what he does instead of doing what he wants to do, which is, you know, talk to this guru and see how he knows that he's a fraud. He goes to an analyst who he knows isn't going to find out that he's a fraud, even though he tells him he knows the guy isn't going to give him the answers he wants. He's going to give him the answers that he can use to manipulate the doctor. And then he ends up analyzing the doctor and coming up with all these things that might not even have been true about him being a homosexual and having these hidden desires that he's pushing onto the patients and all this nonsense. And I was like, again, is any of that true? Or is that just because you were a crazy person who's just putting all this on someone else? Yeah, he was, there was a huge degree of narcissism. I don't, I don't necessarily play this out or see this as a tragedy. Uh, when I, the first read through, I, I could see it. Okay, well, this is more of a tragic story. But then once you start thinking about it and realize, recognizing signs, you can have an elementary education in psychology. You can have a rudimentary understanding of what narcissism is. And you're like, this dude was narcissistic. He was like a paranoid, narcissistic personality that was always concerned about what other people thought about him and always thought that he knew what other people were doing or thinking or going to say or how they were going to react and all this stuff. And so I was just like, dude, it's self-fulfilling because if he's going to try to assume that, oh, well, you know, person A is if I approach them in this way and talk in this way and behave in this way, then they're going to react in this way. It's like, well, if this is a social setting, then that's just showing that you understand how to behave in public. Like it, it has nothing yeah. else to do with that. It's like that's that's not grand manipulation. If it's your parents, like your foster parents or adoptive parents, and you know that they favor you and they're afraid for your life and all this stuff, then, yeah, you're going to be able to get away with stuff a lot easier. I was like, this isn't grand. Like. It's not even necessarily that this guy's super smart. It's not like he's a CEO of anything. He He definitely had delusions of grandeur. He thought he was way more important and insightful. And he could like point out these things in people's that like people that they can't see in themselves. And that's probably not even true. Like he just like he just thought he was this amazing, incredible person because he goes on about how people are going to see him as such a great guy. And, you know, why did he kill himself and all this stuff? And it's like, you're really narcissistic. Like, yeah, I wouldn't like that guy. I want to bring something up to you. And this might be a stretch. Um, And I'm going to bring it up to you just for your general opinion. And then I'm going to go back and we can follow the lines to what led to this conclusion of mine. 
Kelsey Grammer from Frasier killed David Foster Wallace. Agree or disagree? Nah, I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, let me explain myself. Okay. So our protagonist here, Neil, who really is an extension of David Foster Wallace, according to the end of this book, is a man who kills himself, and what brought about this to uh, fruition, at least, is that he watched an episode of Cheers. Where Fraser Crane, the character Fraser Crane, and the other female character who are both, I guess, psychologists, uh, are discussing on the show Cheers. Uh, there's a, a brief joke about um, I'm not sure which one says it, but oh, you know, how was your day or something? Oh, and it was like something along the I'm a paraphrase here, something along the lines of, uh, oh, you know, I think I'm gonna go crazy if I have to listen to one more yuppie talk about how they're not loved or how they can't love or something along those lines, and this ruins the guy. This Neil character ruins him and is what pretty much leads to a suicide because he hears how the audience laughs and realizes old episode of Cheers like everyone felt like this and everyone knows and but his his opinions that he's a fraud his ideas that he's a fraud and all this stuff it's not unique it's not it's like everyone already knows this stuff yuppies and the whole thing it's just bullshit and so he kills himself and I'm thinking so if that's how David Foster if David Foster Wallace felt like that. That meant he watched that episode of Cheers, which means he felt something from that line from Fraser Crane, which means that he was aware of the feelings of people towards yuppies and this kind of thought process about being a fraud. So if Wallace had an imposter syndrome, if he did feel imposter syndrome and Fraser Crane expedited that that feeling <laughs> in himself, could it be that Kelsey Grammer's existence caused David Foster Wallace to kill himself? Oh my gosh! Or is that a stretch? No, I'm I'm gonna say that's a that's a stretch. That's yeah, that's that's. Uh, I just no, I just I just wanted to fucking be ridiculous for a moment. <laughs> Dave Foster Wallace no. killed himself like 20 years after the story, so I don't think that was the catalyst for. It. But wouldn't that be some shit if Kelsey Grammer was the reason we lost one of America's greatest authors? Like that would be such hog shit. And Kelsey Grammer is like America's like silly uncle or something like that. You America's can't... fake British guy. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even speak with a British accent. That's what I don't get. It's it's, like, I don't know what accent I, that is. <laughs> Rich like guy accent. Very specific, precise, enunciated verbiage. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know why that comes across as British, but you know, you always think Kelsey Grimm. Oh yeah, British dude. I don't need no, to, he's American. I need to, <laughs> it sounds like it. I need to look up some articles. I'm sure somebody out there has had that same thought and broke it down in a way that I, off the top of my head, did not. But if Foster Wallace killed himself because of stupid Fraser Crane, I'm gonna be very mad because I never liked Fraser. I wasn't a big Cheers guy either, honestly. And uh, George Went almost ran me over in person at a Comic Con once, so I came barreling down like a fucking freight train. And once that guy got, because he's pretty big now, once he gets going, he can't stop. And I just happened to walk in front of him, and I almost got wiped out. Uh, so <laughs> yes, folks, I almost got killed by Norm from Norm. Norm from Cheers almost knocked me down and trampled me like a buffalo. But um, also fucking Lou Ferrigno did that to me too once. I almost got killed by Lou Ferrigno. And strangely enough, almost headbutted in the gonads by a very young uh, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. So the comic con you want to brag about? No, that's, but she was like eleven years old. Um, yeah, that's especially something you don't want to talk about. And David. I'm walking through a crowded convention <laughs> in Cleveland. And all of a sudden, somebody bumps into me, and I hear in a British accent, "Excuse me" or some shit. And I'm like, "Oh, sorry." And I look down, and then these big body hulking bodyguards come up, like, "Get out of the way!" Like, what the fuck? And everyone's like, "Oh, girl from Stranger Things 
before she was really famous, like the first season just came out, uh, ran into me and I almost fucking could have just kneed her right in the face on accident, you know, just wiped her out. <laughs> and boy, would I got some shit for that one. Um, <laughs> so it's like anytime I have interactions with celebrities in any of these conventions, it's always me or them almost getting, you know, running into one another. So uh, the only one I actually wanted to run me over was uh, Henry Winkler. And that didn't happen. <laughs> he, he's awesome. very nimble on his feet, believe it or not. Hey. Yes, he is. Very spry. Oh, my God, the back. Um, so conclusions, uh, should be drawn here. Um, what do you rate this story? I gave, I give it a solid four out of five. I liked it. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd do three to four, at least 3.5. Um, 3.5, I think is more accurate. I didn't know we were doing has, but yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I think, um, it read really well. Um, I liked some of the imagery and the anecdotes in there. Um, I think towards the end, the, the ending was just too ambiguous with being all like, oh, it's if this really is from a narcissistic, you know, uh, paranoid individual and their viewpoint, it's like, I can't even trust that he's actually dead or I, I don't know. It's it was just like it was a good character. It was a good character, uh, you to know, him. like it's like a Holden Caulfield. Yeah, like it kind of reminded me of like a more intelligent version of Trump, like this guy who <laughs> just very egomaniacal and is always right. And even though this guy is aware that he's not always right, he just, you know, he's a fraud. So he just feels like his opinions are above everyone else's, even though he only cares about other people's opinions. It's weird. Uh, what I did not like about the story, the main thing I did not like about it was, uh, the whole talk about cliches and the fact that the main character pretty much kills himself because he realizes his life is a cliche joke from tr Cheers about yuppies. And uh, David yeah. Foster Wallace, because I was thinking about reading Infinite Jest, but I'm not now. And the main reason <laughs> is, uh, one, I don't necessarily jive with his writing style. All the, like his shorter stories, such as uh, the like the one with the baby, the I forget, the something scorned the, or burned babies, children. Yeah, the incarnation. Yeah, that, like that one. And then even um, The Soul is Not a Smithy. I really liked his writing style on that. But when he does this like complex, adds mathematics and all this random shit and has huge blocks of text, I don't necessarily enjoy that. But the main takeaway I don't seem to like about Wallace is he talks about things that I really don't care about, such as ad agencies, capitalism, yuppies and rich people in the 80s and stock market type folks like I. Gordon Gecko types, like all that shit, I just never cared about. Even when it came to like Fight Club, the whole capitalism is bad angle, I just didn't give a shit about that part. Like, I like to punch it in the face, but just like, <laughs> just like all this, uh, you know, things that deal with like the economy and stuff and numbers and all this shit, I just, I don't care because I have too many things in my life to worry about. Like, we were talking off air. I just, I can't be consumed with that kind of stuff. And I feel like his work is mainly consumed with those kind of ideas. I like, like I said, this, the reason why I like that child story so much was because that was real. That was human. Like that was a look mm -hmm. into what people would actually feel. Uh, and while this story did that, it did that from more of an analytical way. In my opinion, it did that from, like I said, like how that no longer human, it was about a guy pretty much like this guy who it was all about how other people perceived him. But that still had like an overarching story. It wasn't just this guy and how he feels all the fucking time. Like there was other things happening. Uh, there were other things in the story happening that just wasn't this guy. Uh, I might be more interested in it. But uh, that seems to be Wallace's work. It tends to lean towards the analytical side of fiction, which I don't generally go for. Um, I wanted to read Gravity's Rainbow, but I feel like that might be a similar thing. 
I haven't read Pynchon yet, pension, but oh, yeah. I was about to say, that's, I was like, that's not David Foster Wallace. No, I know, <laughs> but I, like, I, just from my understanding, I think uh, Thomas Pynchon also kind of writes in that vein, like that more, yeah, like I said, I haven't read his work at all, so I can't really judge, but just from what I've heard about like Gravity's Rainbow and stuff, because that was on my list, uh, because it was that and Infinite Jest, the two big tombs that, you know, I think Gravity's Rainbow is actually only like 700 pages, but it's probably dense. Yeah. But I think that's more like this kind of analytical fiction where you're looking at life and in the terms of almost from like a fucking robot or something. I don't know. I just I, I'm not about fiction like that necessarily. I want I want more human levels of emotion and feelings. And I want these elements to my fiction to be uh, something that can hit you more deeply than uh, intellectually. Uh, maybe that makes me a lover of YA fiction that I just haven't gotten around to reading. <laughs> I don't know. But I like uh, more human character driven stories versus, uh, you know, like the fucking Mr. Squishy where it's about the fucking makeup of cookies and stuff. Like, I don't I don't care about the chemical aspects of uh, delicates, delicatessence and stuff like I, I don't care about that stuff. Yeah. Like uh, delicacies, like treats, chocolates and, you know, the moose topping and all this stuff. Moose stopping. Now your dogs are barking. Yeah, they're being assholes. So did you take away... You said you liked the story originally. Like, did you take away... Yeah, uh, uh, the more I think about it, just... And as the book in general, it's... um, I think my issue with his writing is is not necessarily the analytical thing or... Because it's kind of interesting. Um, I can't say that it's, like, totally enjoyable, but I do find it really interesting to read, like sort of a, a computer like you said a computer programs uh, analysis of what is this human what is going on you know very detached from reality um sort of thing or detached from the situation um but my issue is that there's a lot of poking and supposition about what could be wrong and then there's absolutely not even a hint of a possible solution no follow-up and on anything absolutely and so it's like it's all dark it's all gloomy and I think a lot of people might get tricked into thinking like, oh man, he was just a super depressed guy. And like, he's telling us there's nothing the world can do. I was like, no, he's not, he's not even trying to find a solution in this, which is fine for certain stories and occasional stories. I get that. But if it's like every story and if the rest of his work follows in this trend, then it's like, well, he's, he's not really helping in any way. He's just pointing out that there's a problem and being like, and everyone's like, Oh shoot. Yeah, there is. Uh, how do we do this? He's like, I don't know. Do a, well, that, that kind of goes along with last episode's discussion about another pioneer where yeah. like we were talking about the analytical, uh, AI aspect of his writing, uh, because that story had a lot to do with AI and the human CPU and all this stuff. And one big component of that story was that you could have bad data and bad that would uh, result in bad answers. So if you put, if you input a bad question, you're going to get a bad answer in response. So like the way this story and most of these stories go, like you said, they don't have a solution. It's just pretty much the question is all he does is he just, he gives you this scenario and then you just have to come up with what happens. Like the, even the scalding uh, children's story, two and a half page story about a kid who gets burned there is no solution to that. There is no outcome. There's no. We talked about it as if it was just the origin for a greater story in the future. But he doesn't even mm. like. He didn't bother with that. He just told you the small event that happened and never followed up on it. And then like that's most of these stories. There's no follow up to anything. It's just I'm gonna present you with this as a fact, or I mean, even though it's fiction, just I'm gonna present this guy's story as a fact as I see it. 
and then you just have to interpret it any way you want. And there is going to be no answers for you because I didn't even bother bother to input good or bad data. I just gave you, you know, the source code and that's it. Like there's nothing after this. You, you're not going to get any explanation. It's not, uh, you know, what's the answer to life? And then it's 42 from uh, Hitchhiker's Guy. That's no, a, there's not even the question. Like we just, all we, all we get is just life. He just shows us life. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no question. There's no answer. Uh, it's just very cut and dry and somber and uh, depressing. I would like to see an upbeat story, but you finished this, right? So I'm imagining there's no upbeat stories to be had. Uh, not really. No. And uh, I, I've seen, I've seen the Reddit posts of all the, the, you know, younger guys that are just like jacking off to how great he is. And how nobody understands his writing except for them and all this stuff. And it's like, shut up. Um, but <laughs> it's the exact think, same guy that posts on all those, I swear. Because yeah. I was looking at those too and I was like, are these all the same guy? They sound exactly the same as they break yeah. this down. They must have all took the same course in college. Probably. And then it's like, you. so, so what have we done? We've done five stories so far. Yes, um, sir. We like, have oh, all of them don't have endings is what I've just I've been kind of thinking over it, trying to think, of, OK, what was my favorite beginning? What was my favorite message? What was my favorite ending? I was like, they don't even really have endings. And it's not that they have an open ending because an open ending is like, oh, shoot, this ended. Like, where is it going? Like, oh, my gosh, we there's there's no clear answer, but or no, no clear direction. But you know that it's moving. And that would be an open ending, but this doesn't even have an ending because he like ends it and then he'll spend a couple paragraphs talking about something that has nothing to do with anything. It's like the uh, the the burn children story at the very end. They're they're like rushing to the hospital. They're doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden the baby's outside of himself and he's growing big and he's walking and he's talking. I'm like, what is this? And what? What? <laughs> And then, you know, Mr. Squishy, like the, the guy is starting to like vomit and all this stuff on his desk. And just, I'm just like, guy, you need, I mean, I know Stephen King has a problem with bad endings, but you might actually have them beat, dude. Like, this isn't even hinting at an ending. This is just sort of like, oh, shoot, I lost steam. I'm done. It's all philosophy to think about without any solutions or any, there's no end goals to these stories. So you get David Wallace's philosophy on things and the way he thought about things, but you don't get any kind of satisfaction from it, in my opinion. Like, I don't feel like in this story. Okay, it's a look on how people feel in society about how others view them and how important that is and the kind of way that could play on your mind. But then there's no like the guy kills himself, but then he goes into fucking infinity and times in a second and all this shit's happening. And I'm like. What does this have to do with anything? Like the whole ending, I was just like, what the fuck does this have to do with the story at all? Like, is it even important? And that's what I keep coming away with these stories. None of this is important. And is that like yeah. the whole debate we had before with the Cormac, uh, Cormac McCarthy's fucking nihilism? Like, is it like if nothing matters, then what's the point of reading this? Like, why? Why? Why should I even think about this then? Uh, it doesn't yeah. serve me. Uh, all it does is, if anything, hinder me. Because if I read stories like this, I might get depressed. Um, but that's about it. Like, I'm not going to feel upbeat. I'm not going to think about things. You know what? Maybe I'm a fraud. Maybe I should really think about that and fix myself. But then again, maybe that's just coming from my headspace. Maybe if you, uh, could relate to the character in the story, maybe it would help you out. I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like it would, but I I don't. Yeah. I was like, the dude kills himself. I don't think there's any lesson here other than don't kill yourself. 
And maybe don't be a dick. I if Fraser Crane's that. making you kill yourself, fucking Jesus. <laughs> uh, the next story we have, actually, I think we should, in the next episode, we can cover two. I'll have to get your opinion on this. Philosophy <laughs> in the Mirror of Nature. It's only like 12 pages or eight pages. A, I think I actually like that one. Yeah, but that's eight pages. So can we spend a whole episode on that or should we do that in Oblivion? Because you said you hated Oblivion, so. I hated Oblivion. So but, maybe uh, we won't talk that, about that one as much. <laughs> I might not yeah, make we can through it. together. We can be like, Oblivion was stupid. And going back to philosophy. Oh, so next episode, we'll cover philosophy in the mirror of nature, because I'll at least read that one. And then we'll do Oblivion, uh, the title story. And then that leaves us with one, the suffering channel, which we'll do in the final wrap-up episode. Um, I don't even know how to feel about that one. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to feel about any of these, honestly. Um, I'm devoid of feelings because I'm an emotionless robot who just analyzes other people's behavior and their their supposed emotions. But I can't understand their emotions because I'm a robot. And then I'm going to write a book about it. And I'm going to yeah. make millions of dollars and I'll be David Foster Wallace. I'm sure David Foster Wallace had feelings. I just uh, don't think any of them were good. <laughs> yeah, I think, he, I, don't, I think he kept them locked up too often. Didn't let them out. So they're like the emaciated children in a cellar. Uh, yeah. Anyway, folks, we thank you for listening, and we hope you took something away from this. Um, I can honestly say I did not take much away from this story that I can use in my everyday life, though it did uh, inspire me to create a very short, actually made it on my Facebook uh, author page, which I haven't updated in like a fucking year. So I was like, yeah, I should probably write something for this. And I was like, hey, what about frauds? And then I uh, just did a whole copy and paste. But on DBW, for the people who don't follow Facebook, because uh, I don't blame you. Anyway, folks, we thank you for listening, and we will check you out next episode. Thank you.